Stories out of time and space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? Uh, I'm doing fine, but uh, I do suspect I'm going to have to kill a few people today. Yeah, but <laughs> that's just a regular Tuesday. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are on to the third episode of season four of Black Mirror Crocodile. An insurance agent investigates a minor traffic incident using a device. That manifests people's memories, but one of her witnesses has something to hide. Um, this is the uh, Nordic detective episode of Black Mirror, um, with possibly what I'm going to refer to as the most John Wagner-esque ending ever. Um, I kind of enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on this episode? Well, it's funny. Uh, this whole season, I sort of feel beside myself. And I sort mm. of feel hypocritical. So I acknowledge tons of problems with the first episode, USS Callister, but I find it charming. The second episode is sort of like does everything right, but leaves me cold. But, you know, is better better written, you know, better directed in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and this episode is a mess in a lot of ways. Has mm. almost no insight into the character. Almost no, you know, that technology is like basically a footnote. Um, yeah. You know, it's very minor. It's like grace notes in a murder story. Um, you know, or as you say, a sort of Nordic uh, noir. Um, and yet, I find myself self charmed by this <laughs> this episode and its performances and how it's shot. It's just, uh, it just it fills me with uh, yeah, I'm just entertained by. It. No, I agree. This this is another one where I, was, <laughs> I, I actually come out of it thinking like I really like this episode. I, I, there are it is it is a little bit of a mess, um, in some parts. Um, like characters, you know, the way the sort of like characters get introduced is it's sort of like this. This episode is let's check. I think it's like yeah, it's fifty six. It's a sixty minute episode, and this is one where I was like, this is I think one of the first. Real for this was like this could have done with an extra. It could have only been tighter, but you'd have added ten minutes to this. I think you could have done more with the characters. Um, just to throw out there, the main sort of character, uh, Maya, who we meet at the beginning, uh, played by uh, Andrea uh, Riseborough, who is not uh, new to the show. She was obviously the main character in Possessor as well. So, mm. um, and I do like her. I think she she she's good in this. I do too. Yeah. She's captivated. She can just like look into space, and I'm like fascinated by her yeah. face in some way. Yeah, she's she's actually yeah she's got a really interesting look, and I think I just find her as a fascinating actress. So I, I I enjoy her presence. Um, but basically, yeah, the story is like I say on a drive home from a club, um, two young people end up in a bit of a, a basically a, a road traffic accident and kill uh, a cyclist. 
um, and then hide his body in a lake. Um, and then years later, um, the, the young girl played by um, Andrea Rosenberg Mia has come on, gone on to become a successful architect and is being celebrated and, and given awards, given lectures and all kinds of things. And her um, partner, and former partner, has a has a nine year old son at this point. Yes, yeah, she's yeah. she's gone. She's so, I think this meant to be, yeah, this meant to be I think, like twelve years later or something. I think from yeah. the accident. The the 15, person yeah. of oh, fifteen, so yeah, the person she was with, Visa Rob, has gone on, has now joined. Uh, we find out has gone on and joined like uh, uh, AA. AA, and um is working through the steps and having to sort of make amends. And part of that is to find out that this person who's been re- reported missing and was never found, he's going to confess to the crime. Um, but. She obviously doesn't want that to happen because that would sort of ruin her life and all her career and her family. So, in a in a in a sort of odd, I don't know, it's an act of sort of preservation. She ends up killing him in the hotel room in which he he has visited her, um, and hides him <laughs> under the bed and then goes on to hide the body and so on and so forth. Let's take it up to there. So up to that, like this whole opening then, um, how you uh, you know because it, it you said it's like quite charming. Um, but especially the way it's shot, Th- this feels like this is, as I said, this is that Nordic noir. I love the way this is shot. I, I really well, it, like it. It was shot in Iceland, and yeah. Iceland is just beautiful to look at. Uh, you know, and th- there's something about like you know, like Chris Nolan's Insomnia and these sort of like yes. desolate wasteland. Uh, mm. I shouldn't say that, right? Wasteland, but I mean, you know, this sort of like icy expanses and i mean there are mountains and it, it's all quite beautiful but also inhospitable know, so, but like severe. yeah yeah, yeah. That, that are fascinating um i i was a little confused by you know i mean part of, even already there's this issue of character mm. and ultimately there's like no character here right it's just you know uh, which is fine with me I and mean, it's just particular people doing particular things but you know Okay, so they decide to throw the body off the cliff into the, and you know weigh it down and throw it into the lake uh, in the very beginning, which seems like okay, kind of a stretch, right? This is going to be the yeah, you know, I know what you did last summer sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then you know, fifteen years later, she sort of pushes him back against the wall, and it seems like kind of an impromptu decision to sort of strangle him, and. She just kind of continues doing it sort of like she's not enjoying it, but she seems to think, well, I've started doing this. Uh, We sort of landed this way. I can't have him ruining my life. I have to think about my family. He doesn't have to think about those things. Um, And then it's sort of like, oh, shit, now I've got to dispose of this body. Yeah. Um, So the problems that are going to be a problem for the residents episode are there already right yeah but as you say it's 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 fascinating it is good and uh, i mean this is one of those sort of like it's a snowball effect isn't it it's almost like a dramatic fast like it keeps getting worse um but one of the things you you described coming out coming flat from the last episode that archangel which i think was a you know it's a good point i kind of feel a little bit similar at the beginning of this Mm-hmm. Like watching this, you go, you know, they hit the cyclist, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, there's no, it, do, it doesn't, it doesn't feel. It looks beautiful. It's shot quite well, 
the tension never feels like it's there. Like I'm not, you know, um, and it feels like the, the tension between Maya and Rob, when that incident happens, it's sort of like, it's a little bit there. You go, okay, I sort of get it. But then when he confronts her later on, like you don't see enough of her life to feel that she's mm-hmm. got something to lose, you know, um, and so when he confronts her and they have an argument, the argument doesn't feel tense enough to result in her panicking to save her, the life she's she's put together. And I think that's the big problem in this this opening bit is like she attacks him and stuff, and it's almost like, as you say, like was this a decision? Was is this is this a crime of passion? Is this impulse? Like is it you know survival? She doesn't feel vicious enough for that. It feels a little flat. Um. And that sort of, you know, is obviously the, the main thing. And that sort of hinders the end as well, because the, the ending feels a lot more calculated. But, um, yeah, th- this should feel more vicious, you know, or the cliche of a woman hitting a guy over the head with a heavy candlestick is there for a reason, because it's like, I grab something big and hit him. It's impulse. Do you know what I mean? And you sort of feel like they go, oh, crap, what have I done? I just acted out. This feels a bit more well cold. I mean, let's be clear. She's going to go on to have a murder spree. <laughs> so, yeah, but it should um, it, it should feel like she should it should feel like she doesn't want to. Do you know what I mean? It should feel like this is like her. I, th- I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know either because I, I don't know what we're supposed to think because there's almost no character there yeah um you know and look i mean you know like no country for old men there's almost no character there you know i mean you've got a killer and even the uh, most of the other characters are sort of go through their steps and have some Mm. motivation but you can describe that motivation in a sentence right it's not incredibly complex um here she you could describe her motivation for killing him in a sentence. It seems impulsive, but we're kind of just left to think, I'm not entirely sure. And then she goes on and, and sort of a part of me kind of thinks, is she kind of just like a cold blooded person who was going to kill eventually uh, when well, given a provocation? No. And and I'll t- yeah. The evidence, because okay. there was an evidence in the episode that that is not the case. Because what I would say is, if she if they wanted to play her off a little bit, say, um, you know, Patrick Bateman kind of thing, sort of like you know that kind of that's probably a bit extreme. But she goes on, she does it, she moves on with her life. Like she goes home, and then and then we find out there was obviously there was this traffic accident. There's a there's a cyclist that gets caught uh, hit by a uh, a van. Um, out in the street and so the technology in this episode is the ability to re- recall people's memories onto like a Voink Kampf machine basically mm-hmm. um, I had the uh, same thought too yeah. right. <laughs> um, and they can use they use certain stimulants so like you know oh it was cold so we'll, you know we're going to have like, the window open there was certain music playing so I'm going to play this and you smell beer because you were near a brewery and it's sort of enhanced they use sense memory to try and reinforce these memories and so this woman, this uh, Shazia, who's working as this insurance investigator, or well, is basically working through the steps of meeting with the witnesses and getting them to recall things. And mm-hmm. does it all match up? And at one point, someone points out that there was this woman in the window of this hotel. And so she yeah. has to track. She tracks her. Uh, she wants a, to track her. Second eyewitness. It's sort of like one witness. Yeah. The, the victim leads to a witness. Leads to there was this woman in the window. 
which yeah. is a great shot. The woman in the window. It's oh, like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Again, I, I, this totally reminds me of like Blowout, you know, which is like based on that Antonioni movie, mm. you know, like like with taking a photo and just like it's got those like and that's fascinating. Right. Mm. I love that movie. This should be. This is why, like, you know, and I'm not going to fix or I'll try not to fix it, but like this isn't this is a Nordic noir. Like, you know, it feels that sort of way. I like the fact that it's like it feels in it feels well structured in that sense of like, you know, from an investigative point of view, she's like, she isn't just going haphazard. Like the guy says, Oh, I saw this, oh, I saw the woman in the room, like the doctor sort of one of the witnesses she says, like and he, she's there in the memory. Now we know how you know bad memories actually can be to the extent of like, you know, they're not always admissible as evidence, but she tracks her down because she sees who was in the room. She figures out which room it was and all that kind of stuff. It's a, I like all that, tracks her down and goes to visit her. And so she is that she has then got to um, work through her memories of that scenario. And she tries to, but the thing is it keeps coming up with the flashes then come up with like the, the attack, the, the murder. Now this is where you said like, you know, is she cold blooded? Uh, maybe the episode of the director doesn't know because the way that the flashes are presented are not cold blooded. Do you know, they feel like um, so, say savage, but they feel sort of like there's something more to them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not like I killed him to get the way. Like it doesn't feel functional. It feels emotional in the the way that the flashes come through in her memory that she's trying to suppress. Maybe I mean. Maybe I'm not suggesting that she's cold blooded, like she's a sociopath that doesn't mm. do anything. Because she clearly sort of stops after some of the killings and kind of holds her mouth and kind of says, you know, sort of this kind of my God, you know, what yeah. have I done? I need to take the next step now. How am I going to handle this? So she's not a full on, you know, sociopath or something, but she's also trying at that moment not to think of something, right? Yeah, it's like you go up to. The, you know, don't think of baseball, you know, well, yeah. you're probably going to think she's tr- and she's trying to train herself not to, but she's sort of panicked knowing what this device is, trying not to think of to the two murders, right? Mm. The cyclist and the murder just before yeah. she saw this. So, yeah, I think she is feeling some panic, but it's a panic of being found out mm. based mm. on, you know, using this recall. So I don't know that she's you know, really feeling bad for having killed somebody. Even and keep in mind, when this when this uh, Shazia uh, arrives, she says it's about something that happened the day before. So she went back from that conference, and like she seems completely calm at this point. You know, I mean, it's a day before, and she's already she's pretty chilly. Yeah, maybe this episode would work better if it was suggested that she was a bit. Patrick Bateman, mm. um, you know, I think she kind of is, right? Yeah, it's not full on Bateman. No, she hasn't gone the full Bateman, but uh, it's it's definitely yeah, maybe it is there. Um, well, you know, she is an architect. Mm. Those architects are, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, I learned from Ayn Rand. They're yeah. they're you know, they're, they're a they're cutthroat named... bunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, the old yeah. cliche: the murdering yeah. architect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, because obviously Shazir sees it, the flashes, and then sort of like panics a little bit and, and tries to leave. And then obviously that's the next killing, sort of uh, Maya catches her and, and kills her. 
and then takes the body in. Um, well, let's just say that she, you know, she catches her in the car, breaks the window, mm. and then keeps her in this sort of barn, and can tell that, you know, the insurance investigator is lying. And then I think one of the, I mean, I shouldn't say most charming, but, uh, you know, winsome elements of mm. this uh, horrible story is that she kills her with a uh, uh, log. Mm. And she says, what does she say? She says, like, uh, hold still, please. You know, or something like, yeah. please. It, the way she says it is, like, clearly she regrets having to do this. But now that she has to do this, it's going to be done. You know? And there's no sense agonizing over it more than I already have. It, it's, it's quite... You know, I don't know what that says about the character, but I, I really love that that oh, murder yeah. scene. Yeah, no, it's good. It is. It's, it's all very good. Um, you know, and then it goes. Um, you know, she she then has to make the decisions. It's like the wipe out the because then if someone goes, but it, it's this. It's the never ending chain, is it? This is the ridiculousness of it. Like it's the never ending chain. Um, because then she's got to go and she finds out that she. The husband would obviously know where she was, um, and so she has to go kill the husband, and then she finds out that she has a baby, and it's sort of left with her. You know, you're not sure at first, um, and I think you know you you are sort of led to believe because they that there are several moments that the thing where they sort of they give you there are rumors and facts about the technology in this. You said it's a bit of, it is a bit of a great, it's a bit of a footnote, but it's the point. It's the, it's the crux of the ending of the episode, but there is this thing about, Oh, you need to be conscious of your memories for it to work at some point. And then somebody else says something else that they joke about. I think some sort of animal or something being used, you know? So, but you are sort of like given enough information to go, Oh, they're going to use the baby's memories mm. to figure out who the killer is. That's the sort of, I think, the expectation. You know, you, that's what you're led to believe. And then you do go to the scene and you find out she's actually killed the baby. She's kind of, like you say, in order for her, and she's gone off to see her child's performance. Um, and it is cold-blooded. I mean, that ending is harsh. When you, you have someone stood there, going, one of the CSIs, like, who kills, who can kill a baby like this? Um. And the, the ending, and you know, um, I will wrap it up. But the, yeah, the ending is still going. Well, we're going to find out because you then find out that there's like a hamster or a gerbil in the roof, and they can they can extract memories from this animal. And that to me felt like the, this was it's like John, that felt like the end of a Judge Dread story. Oh, yeah, like I, the, I get you. That was like John Wagner going like, you know, I've been brutal for the last like eight pages. And I'm going to leave you on this cute, you know, this cute gerbil having its memories extracted. Um, it just felt very John Wagner. Yeah, I, I, I can see it, especially in, you know, Judge Red comic art style, you know, the sort yeah. of, you know, about, you know, we, we've got no witness. What are you talking about? We got the guinea pig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was that sort of part of it, but what are your thoughts on that then? This because sort of, her her choice to go um, and proceed with these other murders. I say it's cold blooded, but well, you know, it's not though. I mean, it, it's that same sort of weird 
line that is drawn. And I and I think so much of it is the actress is so fascinating mm. uh, and plays it so cold, but also sort of mysterious. You know, she clearly has an emotional reaction. So she sort of sneaks into the house with a hammer and, you know, murders the, the husband. She doesn't seem like she wants to do it again, you know, like the, you know, uh, Shazia, uh, the investigator. Um, but it's sort of like, all right, well, I have to do this, so I'm going to do it, and there's no sense feeling more about it than I already mm. have, right? It seems a line like that. And so then she has a reaction when she sees the baby sort of standing up and looking yeah. at her, where it's like that sort of breath where she's like, oh, like, fuck, I gotta do this, you know? Well, like, I think, yeah, like you say, it's cold-blooded, but then there are moments, aren't there? Like, to just step back before the baby, one of the things she does, is she lays a towel over the f- the head, over the face. Mm. She's He's in the bath, and she's, like, hit him on the head with the hammer, and she hits him several times, and as he sort of slouches into it, she puts a towel over his face, so it's like, she doesn't want to have to see what she's done. Like, she's going to give him some sort of dignity or something, I don't know, but... Mm-hmm. So there is some feeling there. Um, and like you say, yeah, her reaction to having seen the baby is like, you know, like, you know, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, you don't become an important architect without breaking a few eggs, you know? And, you know, I just feel like she's protecting her family and she's a good mom, you know? I mean, who wouldn't, you know, do the same thing? I mean, who hasn't killed a baby here and there to protect their family, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I don't it. know. It, she seems pretty cold, but also not sociopathic and i like um but as this goes on um obviously i have a dark sense of humor but as this goes on um you know i found myself thinking of you know the like have have you ever seen penn and teller get killed um no as i know it's a very random reference but um at the end they uh i think they kill themselves and and everybody who stumbles on the scene is so horrified that they also kill themselves. And it's one of these sort of like, you know, memes that kind of like, mm. you know, uh, and, and it's quite brilliant. It was one of those early examples of something like that, where it's like, there's an image where everyone who sees it goes crazy or kills themselves or something like that. And it's just going to keep repeating. This almost has that feel to it mm. where it's, you know, or like a, a simple sort of uh, silly, you know, uh, school school kid message of like you tell one lie it leads to another you gotta you know you kill one person you gotta kill somebody else to cover it up and somebody else to cover that up and um but i still sort of like it i mean it doesn't really have i like this technology it doesn't really have anything to say um but i still just sort of like it based on the shots and the performance well, the thing is, I think this, this is where, like, say, up until now, like, there's been a lot of, like, you know, we've talked about satire or, like, you know, it's been examples of, like, taking technology to, um, you know, the, the the nth point of, you know, trying to figure out is it good or bad or how it can be used for bad or whatever. As you said, this isn't that. This is more of a, like, it's a crime story. This is a, that just so happens to exist in a world where there's this memory technology. That's it. It's just sort of like, you know, again, this feels like, um, you know, it feels like a short story. I'm saying how long this is. This is, feels like it would be a short story that exists in this world. And this is the technology. And I could imagine, you know, they, 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 they sort of do it 
and this is one of the, the, the problems I sort of have with the episode, um, is you want these two, you want the two parallel stories, don't you? You want sort of like Maya's story and then Shaz- you know, Shazia's story, and they're, they're about to cross over, they're about to sort of collide, and you sort of know that something inevitable is going to happen. Um, that sort of, you know, what you know. the only thing I would say is Shazir is inter- introduced too late, a little bit too late, almost. Um, I, you know, it almost feels like this this needs to. I'm trying to think of an example. You know, if if this was like one of those weekly procedurals, you know, which is what this could be, because um, there is a police detective that comes in later in uh, later on. Um, but yeah, like you know, this would be like you know a private eye who uses you know ten, I don't know the technology somehow is integrated in that or something. But you, Shazia sort of feels a little bit brought in a little late. I sort of want her to be a little bit more beleaguered because I always like it when the detectives are a bit like you know rumpled and and tired and stuff. Um, and then have those two parallels, like you know, we we know that these two people are going to end up colliding over this, and this is the, and this technology sort of sits at the center of it. Um, I'd, and I'd, then I'd, you have that kind of like no country for old men kind of surprise or psycho where yes. surprise this main character one is to kill the other one halfway through, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're almost no, expect- I mean- yeah, you're almost expecting heat, you know, you're expecting them to have like, this long sort of conversation or something, and sort of like you know, meeting of minds. But no, she just gets a log to the face, and that's it. Sort of like you know, um, I had I had the same I had the same issue I had the same thought, um, but then I thought if it's presented from Shazia's point of view, then we don't get this opening, and we don't get then it becomes like she is following using the recaller. And she gets to the woman, she gets to Mia, and then you kind of have to stop and say, here's Mia's story. Yes. Um, and, and that feels awkward and unsatisfying in its own way. Um, so I, I know what you're saying. There definitely is a solution to this that kind of bridges the two, or as you say, maybe follows both stories. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of understand why it's structured this way. Mm. It's really Mia's story, and you, and you're introduced to Shazia basically when you need the next victim, right? And but that investigation is so interesting. Yes, it's hard not to kind of want that to be more a of it. Element, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. I mean, you know, again, I mean, you could, you know, you say you don't have that opening. Well, actually, leave the opening as a surprise. You know, start with the car, start with the accident, and introduce Shazia, uh, and then, un, you know, later on, un, you know, have it, maybe have three people in the car rather than two. it's Rob that sort of, uh, you don't know why she attacked Rob. She's attacked and killed Rob, and you don't know why. Mm. And obviously, like you know, she realizes that she's now seeing this accident, and so Shazia is getting closer and closer. Have it be there was a third person in the car. So that after Rob, she's then gonna go. She goes back and sees this other person and was like, "Rob was gonna confess and ruin everything for us." And I have that person as another victim, like you know, she's expecting that person to side with her, and he's, he's like, "Well, maybe it's time we do confess. Maybe it's time this needs to be put to rest." And it keeps escalating for her, and then you know, you can have that as a flashback or something. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um... Mm. 
but I, but I do think that it's it, it's interesting to think about sort of you know in addition to Mia's character, sort of how many of these murders are required or necessary at all, right? Mm. Like I really I really like this recaller technology, and you know as you say like this acknowledgement that memories are subjective, and they sort of you know she says like they kind of crowdsource it and combine multiple recollections to get a, a good idea, but um. You know, so even the the first murder, or the first getting rid of the body, she's not responsible. She wasn't driving. No. Now, she could still be charged as an accessory mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. depending on the prosecutor. You know, it's but it's 15 years later. You know, she helped cover up, dispose of a body. There's definitely a crime there. But, um, you know, it's worth keeping in mind, like, she did not commit the original inciting incident. She was not driving drunk, you know, uh, she didn't hit anybody. Then is it necessary to kill uh, Rob, you know, now that he's sober? Not really. It seems kind of impulsive. You know, he's not going to the cops. His plan is to write an anonymous letter to the wife of his victim from 15 years earlier who's still waiting. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a compassionate thing, but it's an anonymous letter. You could... Like, be like, look, I've got a family now. I'm a prominent architect. This cannot be traced back to me. You want to unload, you want to vent your spleen, go ahead. But, you know, I need to know that this is totally uh, anonymous and is not going to be able to be traced back to you. Um, but it's like he's not, and, you know, he seems intent on doing it, but he's not going to implicate her or, you know, mention her in the letter. I mean, there's a risk to her, but this doesn't seem really that necessary. The whole killing of Shazia, Shazia says you have to basically talk to me as an insurance investigator Mm. under law, or I have to report it. Okay, well, that's why she agrees to to let Shazia in. But it's not clear that that law also requires you to use the recaller device. Yeah. Um, So... I mean, I'm not sure, you know, Mia could, like, I, I don't know why Mia just seems like she's going to bluff her way through it, you know, mm. but she, she should not. I mean, dude, why are you putting a device that scans your memories uh, onto your brain when you've committed a murder? Um, it, yeah, well, consider, I'll tell you what, maybe this is one of those, one of those things, because this is so linear, this episode, mm. it's very linear. And considering it's about memory, you know, if this was in the hands of, like, hand this over to, like, you, you just talked about insomnia, like, you know, hand it over to a Christopher Nolan, like, you know, memento style. Maybe this episode shouldn't be linear. Um, and maybe you could have two parallel stories. Like, again, maybe it shouldn't be certain that. But have it start with them finding the body in the lake. And she and her going like you know these two almost like a, like then Mia going to Rob and going like how the hell did they find what the fuck is this how did they find the body and then him confessing and saying look I'm now sober I've had I've wrote this letter don't you worry no one can trace it back to us you know da 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 and they're saying like don't be so bloody foolish like you've done this without consulting me you didn't you know you didn't think about what could happen to me. And have I just think there's better ways of doing this episode. Have it in almost like a, you could cut it up so you can have this this idea of memory, 
you know, and um, maybe even have it unclear as to who was driving the car. I can't remember. It's unclear. 16 years, 15 years ago. We don't know who's... Never have it as totally clear as to actually, who was actually driving 15 years ago. What actually happened? Or who distracted the driver? What happened for them to hit that thing? It's unclear. Can't remember. But we know it happened, but... Well, in this more ambitious version, I would like big portions of it to be told on the recaller's recordings. Yeah. Uh, you know, where it's like, right, we've acknowledged this is subjective and it's grainy and it's sort of like left to you as the viewer to be like, right? I, but having said that, right, I mean, at this point, we're doing that thing. I know, again, I know, I'm so <laughs> and, uh, and, and then it's not a Nordic noir, you know, no, it could thing be. Anymore. I think it would still be similar. Like, still, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like what it is. It's definitely like so limited as an episode, mm. um, and 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 really flawed and, and whatever. But I, I'm with you that like there's there are these elements, these moments where you feel like that theme of memory is so palpable right under the surface and so mm -hmm. strong and so resonant, and yet. You know, seems so subordinated to the just noir, you know, uh, element. Homage. It's an homage to that sort of like Nordic noir, much like you know, I think like you say, we said that the U.S. Callista was that sort of Star Trek kind of thing. This feels again mm. like this sort of kind of homage, but unfortunately, it's sort of in doing so, it kind of hinders the thing it's trying to to get at a little bit. As you say, it's sort of like you say. It becomes subordinate to the stylings of it, which is a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, I think it is saved by you know, there's there is a lot to talk about. Like, well, there's just Andrea Risenborough as mayor is just so good in this. Yeah, um, I mean, look, the image of her standing at the window mm. is just, I mean, so cap. It's one of those images, like you know, um, uh, the. Polish French film Red, you know, where mm. you know it's just there's certain images like this that just stick in your head, and you're just like, that is such a beautiful image, yeah, fascinating well, image, and she looks so inscrutable. Yes, well, and there's several moments like that, aren't there? They sort of have that, like her being stood framed by a window on several occasions throughout the episode. She's again like it comes back to this thing of of seeing through a window. I mean, you know, this is almost Hitchcockian. This is almost like, you know, rear window. Um, mm. What did you see from that, from that window? How has it been interpreted? Is it the right way? Is it the wrong way? Um, you know, um, I I love that. I think some of the stylings of this is are great. Like it looks and it works really well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm 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 you know I am enjoying all that. Yeah, same here. Two two quick things about it. One is that that production i love the school production like she's just killed a child yeah. and she's yeah. like playing it off cool right and you think god the pain of not telling anyone mm -hmm. right but she's stoic she's a very stoic character and then that production apparently of is a bugsy malone a musical yes. about gangsters and the lyrics are just so spot on as a commentary I, that was quite charming well have you have you seen that film from the eighties, no. have you not? No, never. It was a it was a big piece of my childhood. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a really young um, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, mm. 
And the whole film is basically the story is the story of Bugsy Malone, who's a 1930s gangster, and it's a, it's a straight up gangster story, mm-hmm. but told with kids. And instead of like Tommy guns, they fire like I think custard and cream pies and stuff. Like it's a it's but it's a musical as well, and it's uh, the soundtrack's right. incredible. But that song at the end is in the film, and uh, we could have been I think that we wanted to be da, 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 is what their big sort of song and dance number at the end. And it is like it's followed like it's a big been a big shootout at the end of the film. They're all covered in cream and custard and stuff. And then the, the, everyone stands up and sort of they sing this thing. And it is weirdly sort of like, yeah, they should all be if these were real guns, like they'd all be dead. And it is this idea of like, you know, um it's a it's an odd it's an odd film. It's an odd film. What could I have been? Right. We're yeah, what, what yeah. could we have been if we hadn't gone down this terrible route? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a good it's a good film, but it's also a really interesting choice for the end of this, um, this, this well, episode. and it's so innocent, mm. right, as you're describing it, but also so haunting in this different context of like everybody's like ha 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 ha, you know, this is such a stupid little thing, but of course the lyrics are saying, you know, you've just murdered a kid, right? You yeah, you've and when you kill somebody, and I think this is part of what haunts us about death, especially death of the young, not just children, but, you know, anyone, um, is also that when you kill somebody uh, or when somebody dies, they you kill everything they could have been. Yeah, potential, uh, the potential know. of it all. Yeah. Right, you know, and that's part of why it's so sad when somebody, not just the kid, but on the 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, 40-year-old, who's still but that sort vibrant of the... and thoughtful. But you can see that as that as being again, the point of this episode is that thing of like not just the child at the end, but like you don't know the age of that cyclist. I think he's he's sort of shown to be quite young. So there is this thing of like fifteen years later that happened, and then fifteen years later she's become this architect and this great success. Mm. You know, so what you know that thing of like we could have been anything that we wanted to be. Well, she became an architect and a success. That cyclist could have been doing the same. You know, she's led a life that that person could have had. Like she's that, you know, not that she stole that potential because it was obviously robbed that was driving the car, but that potential was robbed or stolen. Well, and, and, and they this... don't have a magic gem that steals the potential, literally. No, right? but I mean, you know just... what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, but to get back to one of the themes about the, the, the last episode, uh, you know, this, you can also understand these decisions, right? Mm. And, you know, ethically, we, feel more that was about a mom who you know knows this is troubling but makes decisions to protect her daughter um here this is somebody who sure it's not right that this person got run over but they're dead Mm. the question is now do i sacrifice my life um you know Mm. or not um and, you know, right, I've got a kid, I've got a husband, you know, this person, you know, every step of the way, she's putting herself and her kin, her family. I mean, this is breaking bad, like, except I did it for my family, um, you know, and she kind of really does. So, yeah, it's like, it's sad that this other person's, these other people, especially, you know, the Shazia and that whole family, mm. I mean, she's a, she's a, what is a serial killer, the family annihilator type? I mean, at this point, she's a family annihilator. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that's really sad. But 
it's also dramatizes this um, tension between our responsibility to our kin and our friends and also to society and the general public, which is always a, a key tension in not just literature, but also just morality and ethics. Just to think about morality, let's, I want to just throw one thing in about sort of like um, we've said about this thing. You say about she's a family destroyer. And we've obviously said about the fact there's a child killed in this. We talk about the loss of potential. One of the, the key things you said about her being a mother that's just protecting her family. It is interesting to note that when this is originally written, the, the character of, of Mia wasn't a woman. It was two guys in that car. So he was supposed to be a male lead. And it was and she was actually coming in. I'll just read the trivia. She came in to audition for a different part and wow. she won them over and they changed the way that the episode went in order to sort of like to give her the lead. This if this was a man, if this was if this was a male lead, would this episode play different, do you think? Yeah, I think that I think that well, I mean, I think that we would be more likely to say uh, she was always crazy, right? This guy, this guy mm. was, you know, always crazy. Maybe he's protecting his, you know, his child, you know, and his family. But, you know, I think we're, I think we're tougher on on men, you know, in, yeah. in, in some ways. Obviously, we men have privilege and we go easy on them and others. But, um, yeah, I mean, generally. You know, my instinct is that if it were a man, we would be more likely to say, I have less sympathy for him. He probably was psychotic already. He could say it's about his family, but really he's going around murdering people. Um, but I think that it's it's partly because it's so different to see a woman in this role as sort of coldly killing people and being mm. upset with it, but feeling they have to do it, that it's so unique. Um, it's so different that we at least I am more, you know, struggle to sort of, you know, find that sympathy or want to. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's that thing. That the, the thing is, I would say, I, I agree. It's sort of like, you know, if it was a male that you'd be, I'd be saying much more of like the Patrick Bateman kind of influence. If they, if they played it the same, Um, I think it comes, you know, you've, it comes down to that final scene, doesn't it? I think that final kill, let's say the baby kill is, the, is, the, is sort of the crux. If that was a, a male, if this was a male lead and they committed that crime, you would be, there'd be much more of a like, oh, this is just brutal. This is insane. Like, you know, that's the sort of thing. There'd be that kind of thing. But because it's a female lead and we've just, we have that sort of idea of the mother and the protection, it sort of feels even, I don't know, it's, it's oddly worse because of that, you know, it's, it's an it's a, it's a it's a great choice because it makes this episode much more sort of like interesting in in that way, um, and I think she she is so good. Um, final point though, up until now, I've been you know we've had like the in this season in particular. Well, let's just I want to go back. The, the episode names um, have all been I've all been like yeah I get it you know they all make sense. Um, this is the first one, Crocodile. Yeah. I was a bit like, I'm not entirely sure what it means. So one of the things, is, this is really reaching. Um, the way that the poster for this episode is set up, like you have um, 
Mia's face there, and it says crocodile underneath it. The two O's are sort of sort of resting just under her eyes, and it does make me think of like, is it about crocodile tears? Mm. Um, you know, this idea of like faux. We've talked about this like faux emotion. This idea of sort of like you know, is 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 it sort of that? I don't know, but it's an interesting. Again, I could be miles off. I don't know. I could be sort of like there'll be someone going. No, it's just because you know. We like crocodiles. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I did look this up, and uh, other people have pointed to the possibility of the crocodile tears. Although mm. I don't think they made the point you just made about the about the poster for the episode. Um, but apparently, the quote unquote real answer is that uh, crocodile came from something that was in the original script that was cut. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, that, that, that makes Rooker so much. Just, ah, we'll just leave the title. That just makes so much more sense. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a talking point if anything else. That's what they've come to. Fair enough. Well, this is this will be on the Black Mirror trivia in the bar later. Yes, yes. At the end of the episode, at the end of the entire run, yeah, it'll come on the on the pop quiz. Um, okay, any final thoughts then for Crocodile? No, I I, I think uh, you know we she she's definitely a mama grizzly if not a crocodile. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I find it, uh, you know, a, a depiction of uh, white affluent motherhood um, that, you know, is, uh, you know, you could definitely run a sort of like get out uh, analysis of mm. this. Um, it's not a great episode, right? Mm. But it is really, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Th- this is one where I think, that balance between this is sort of strikes the balance between I think the the press too. I think there are you know there's stuff in this that really works in the same way as sort of Archangel. There are scenes that are just really well done. The you know the directing is spot on. Some of the sort of like the uh, the cinematography you using the Icelandic landscape and this thing of you know framing it in windows and and all these other bits and pieces. It's really good. But as you say, sometimes the episode is really messy and the characters are really ill-defined. Um, and you know, so it's so. But then the killings and sort of the some of the bombast is actually really good as well. Like I'm enjoying. It. I like that ending, as I said, that sort of like John Wagner-esque ending, which is what made me chuckle a little bit in in a dark fashion. Um, so yeah, it, it strikes that balance for me between those two. That I think this is a really, it's a solid episode, but it's not a good episode. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Anyway, if that's it, then we have run to time. So, ladies and gentlemen, what were your thoughts about Crocodile? Did you shed any crocodile tears for this episode <laughs> or for the child guild at the end? Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Is this a good episode or is it a poor episode? Reach out to us at Pod Time Space on the. If it's, it might even exist, sod it. It might not exist by the time this episode comes out. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, we will be on other platforms. Um, or leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Any on your podcast catcher, any of your platforms, four stars, five stars, preferably. But any feedback is welcome. And of course, if you really like us, go check out the Patreon uh, links down below. And uh, we do all kinds of stuff in there. Really working our way through the Twilight Zone, the original Rod Serling Twilight Zone, the original Black Mirror, and uh, other bits and pieces on there as well. But for now, Julian, thank you very much. Uh, and la- and ladies and gentlemen, we shall see you on the next episode.